We'll be reading that in the ESV, so we encourage you to follow along. And uh, you can find that in your, uh, if you have a Bible app or if you have your own Bible. Uh, we'll also uh, just project this, and I'll read it for us. So, um, again, it's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Today's message is... uh, uh, called Where Are You At? So where are you at? It's an important question. <laughs> hey, where are you at? Because location is important. There are many things that we do in life that you know very much depend on location. There are things that you might be doing right now that are okay for this location in this setting, but if you change the location and setting, it's no longer appropriate. For instance, right now, you could take a deep cleansing breath. (sighs) Totally appropriate. Totally good. But if you were, if I can get the slide to work, underwater, then no longer uh, does it make much sense to take a deep cleansing breath, right? Location is important. And, uh, you know, there might be things that you really enjoy doing, uh, but their appropriateness and their effectiveness is going to change based on your location. Um, for me, uh, I, I love to play basketball. When I was younger, I loved to play basketball all the time. I always wanted to, in any setting, rain or shine. And uh, I bugged my parents a lot when I was uh, in high school to uh, uh, build a basketball hoop uh, in our driveway. And so they did. And so I was thinking, man, I can play basketball all the time. And I tried to. You know, I would play till like 9, 10 p.m. Uh, during the summer, and even when the sun went down, I would use like the outdoor floodlights so I could keep on playing. And then my parents told me I had to stop because I would, you know, wake up the neighbors. And so, you know, and, and I would try to play in the rain. I, I would, uh, I even tried to play in the snow once. Uh, I had gloves on and, um, you know, I shot the ball. And of course I made it because, you know, I'm just that nice. And so I made it, but the ball just kind of plopped down into the snow and, it didn't bounce. And I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. And so I stopped. But that didn't stop me from trying to find ways to, to play basketball all the time. I would even try to play indoors. So how, how, did, how did I do this? Well, I had this dresser drawer that went to about here. And then I had this perfectly cylindrical plastic garbage uh, can. And I, I put it on top of the dresser drawer. The, the garbage can was like, I mean, it, it, it kind of looked like a basketball hoop to me. And, and I took pieces of paper and wadded them up and made them perfectly spherical and covered them with tape. And I would play basketball in my room. And, you know, I would play like whole games until my parents started yelling because apparently just the way our house is built, it, I guess it sounded like breakdancing elephants. I just, you know, and, uh, you know, the chandeliers shaking. And so they, they made me stop. But, uh, you know, I found out you can't always play basketball. There's a time and place, right? Location is important. 
And I mentioned this because when we ask this question, where are you at? Uh, I realize that there are certain locations, there are certain places and settings where we are at in our spiritual lives, where certain things that we talk about, uh, sermons and you know commands in scripture are going to make sense, but it's going to make sense if you are in the right place. And so I, I wonder, you know, we've been talking about practical discipleship this whole year. We, we've been telling you, you know, you, you should spend time with God, right? You, you should, you know, uh, carve out times of silence and solitude to be with the Lord. You should read scripture and you should meditate on the scripture and, and you should, you know, uh, be praying and doing all these things. And I wonder maybe for some of us, depending on where we are in our spiritual lives, that those commands aren't going to make a lot of sense to you. You're not going to really be able to receive that because of where you are in your spiritual life. And I just want to acknowledge that. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you, right? We know we're only here because of grace, and every step in your spiritual journey is because of grace. So, you know, definitely there's no reason to feel bad. It's just, it's just not going to make sense. And so... We're going to take a look at uh, Colossians chapter 3, and uh, uh, we're going to be going through uh, verses 1 through 17 over the next few weeks. Uh, this is a wonderful passage about discipleship, but I got to tell you, from the very beginning, it tells us that it does depend on your position relative to where Christ is um, for this these verses to make sense. And so before we go any further in talking about discipleship, we got to start with verse 1, where it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So Christ is above, right? And so it says, if you have been raised with Christ, so you were once down here, but if you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above. There's going to be things up here in this plane, right? Where Christ is seated, because this is where you are at. This is what makes sense now. And it says to set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. So if you're up here with Christ, why do you keep looking down at the things of earth? Why are you so focused on these things? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So where Christ is, that's where you're supposed to be. That's what the Christian life is about. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ, is you are following Christ to where he is. So if Christ is up here, then we want to be up here with him as well. But maybe we're not. Maybe we're not. And I got to wonder, if we're supposed to be up here and there's these spiritual things, right? Like prayer, you know, scripture, and, 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 you know, all these different spiritual disciplines and worship and all this stuff that's supposed to be so good for us, right? It's up here, right? But we keep looking down and we actually don't seem to be, want to be up here. We don't seem to want to do the things that are up here, right? We, 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 we got to look at that, right? We got to wonder about that. And, and this goes for even people who are Christians. You know, we got to wonder if you don't have an appetite of spiritual for spiritual things, what does that mean? Uh, when I was in seminary, and I've shared this story before, that there's this one time where um, we wanted to go to Chipotle, 
And so there's some students, they, they, they piled in my car, right? These are all seminary students. They're training to be pastors. They're studying the Bible all day, all night, right? And, and we're, uh, on our way to, well, you know, I start up the car, uh, before we go to Chipotle and, you know, just the music automatically starts playing. And it's, it's Christian music. It's praise music, right? It was like Hillsong. And, you know, one of the students was like, really? Like, Steve, do, do we have to listen to this right now? Because, you know, we, we just talk about Jesus all the time. It's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Why do we have to, you know, hear about Jesus here when we're just trying to relax, you know? And, and I've told that story before, and i got to tell you, it tells us not to judge, but, man, I, I just, I, I was judging that person all over the place. I was like, what kind of seminary student are you, right? Where you're getting sick of, of hearing about Jesus, you know, and I got to say, I'm quite the hypocrite because I think there are many times where I don't really have the appetite for spiritual things. You know, the, the, there, there have been many, many times in my life where if I'm being really honest, and I'll try to be honest with you, I didn't really like reading the Bible. Not really. I mean, you know, you're not supposed to say this as a pastor, right? You're not supposed to confess that. And so, you know, I, I probably didn't really acknowledge that. But the truth was, is that, you know, other than preparing for sermons and, you know, just to get my quiet time out of the way, I, I, I didn't really want to read it. It was, it was, you know, it was like doing homework, you know? Um, prayer. Uh, a lot of times my prayers would be real quick, you know? If there was a girl I like or my wife, you know, or is a good friend, man, I could talk to them for hours. I'm a chatterbox. But when it came to prayer, man, I'd, I'd hang up real quick, you know? You'd be like, okay, God, we're done, you know? Do we have an appetite for spiritual things? Do we actually want to be with God? Because when you look at Jesus' life, it, it makes me think of the story. Do you remember the story of uh, Jesus when he was uh, a young boy? And his parents would make a, a trip, a pilgrimage, every year to Jerusalem for uh, the Passover feast. And um, they, they, they were in Jerusalem, uh, but then on the way back, uh, they can't find Jesus. They, they seem to have lost him in their caravan somewhere. And so they eventually find Jesus, the boy Jesus, is at the temple in Jerusalem. And so when they finally find Jesus, they're like, what are you doing here? Why did you do this to us? You know, don't you care about us as your parents? And, and Jesus' response, um, he says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Where did you think I would be? Where would I most want to be? I want to be in the Father's house. I want to be with God. And that was consistent uh, throughout Jesus' ministry. Right? There's those times where early in the morning, before anyone got up, he would sneak out and he would spend time alone just with the Father. Right? Jesus wanted to be with God. Do we want to be with him? Not only did Jesus want to be with God, but Jesus wants to be with us. Before uh, Jesus uh, went away to be with the Father, um, at least physically, um, 
there, there, there was uh, that farewell address in John 14. And he says, in my father's house are many rooms. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Where I am, you may also be, right? This is Jesus's desire. He wants to be with us. He wants to spend time with us, right? But the question is, do we want to be with him? I know we're supposed to say that that we do want to be with him. But do we really? You know, I think we just need to be a little bit honest. If up here are the spiritual things, let's take a look again at Colossians 3. Um it says, you know, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on on the things that are of earth. So I want to point out that even if you are with God, it doesn't mean that you're automatically, uh, right? If you're raised with Christ, it doesn't automatically mean that uh, you're always going to be seeking spiritual things. Other, because, uh, you know, uh, Paul wouldn't have to encourage us to seek the things that are above, right? And so you still need effort. Sometimes I think we, we have this, this, this uh, uh, misunderstanding of Christianity that if you believe in Jesus, if you're saved, that somehow automatically you're going to just, you know, do all these spiritual things. It's just going to come out of you. But that hasn't been my experience. You still got to put in the effort. But if you have absolutely no appetite for spiritual things, or very low appetite, right? I mean, if we're being honest, if our appetite for uh, the things of this earth are much greater, I mean, you know, I enjoy Netflix as much as the next person, but let's be honest. You know, how many of us would prefer to read the Bible than to binge, uh, you know, the new latest series on Netflix, whatever it is. I don't know. Maybe you're into Korean dramas. Maybe you've been watching Avatar, right? You know, I don't know. Maybe there's a video game or maybe, you know, during this time, you know, so many of us were, were, were cramped and we're cooped up. And, you know, some of us, we feel like we're kind of wasting away. And there is this opportunity to be with God. Because I'm telling you, Jesus wants to be with you. But do we want to be with him? And if we don't, you know, I I want to be very clear. This isn't meant to be a guilt trip to, to say, what's wrong with you? Try harder. It's not about that because you just may not be completely raised with Christ. You know, it says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. But have you really? Have you really died? Because it seems to me that maybe there are some things of the flesh that are way more powerful in your life. Those appetites, that desire for earthly things, right, is way more powerful in your life than we would like to admit. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Um, you know, we make, we think that this is just about heaven, but it's not. Because what it's saying is that if your life is hidden with Christ in God, then when you truly come alive, it's when Christ appears, right? 
I'm no longer mine. My life is no longer my own. I have become hidden in Christ. My life has become enmeshed with Christ. So when Christ, where Christ is, I am also. When Christ appears, I appear, right? But maybe that's not completely true of us, right? Maybe there aren't things, there are many things in our life, many appetites and leanings and desires that haven't completely died. And, and again, it's not to say that there's anything, you know, per se wrong with you any more than there's wrong with any human being, right? But it's just to say that maybe it hasn't happened yet. And maybe we can just be honest about that. Romans 8 goes into great detail about how we can, you know, set our minds on the things that are above. Or in this uh, setting, uh, in this scripture, it talks about setting your mind on the spirit versus setting your mind on the flesh, on earthly things, right? Let's take a look at this, Romans 8, 5 through 11. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. So again, we are talking about those appetites. And so if you are constantly thinking about earthly things, right? If you're constantly thinking about pleasure and comfort and all these things that are of the flesh and of the earth, right? then it seems to me that you are living according to the flesh. You are driven by that, right? That is the thing that is ruling you. And there's something within you, that flesh, that it needs to die, right? You aren't living according to the Spirit because you're not setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. You actually aren't able to do that. And it says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So what is wrong with setting your mind on the things of the flesh, right? Is it just, it's bad, you know, like stop it. (laughs) It, it, It's not just about that. It's not necessarily bad. It's, it's leads to deadness, right? It leads to death. It's limited, right? There is an expiration date to your comfort and to your pleasure. It doesn't last. And therefore, it is not ultimately meaningful in the way that doing the things of the Spirit, living according to the will of God, leads to life and peace. So again, in Corona time, right? You're going through a tough time and, you know, some of us, we try to distract. And so, you know, we watch the videos and we do the fun things and How long does it last? Does it give you life and peace? That's the question. Because on one level, I mean, you know, uh, don't get too crazy about this, but I mean, if it worked, do it. But is it working? Is it really giving us life overflowing abundance? Or does it just give you momentary pleasure that doesn't last? Right? And sometimes it actually leaves us more thirsty than before. It leads to death. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so, um, you know, if we are set on the flesh, you're not going to want to do God's law. You're not going to want to do the things that God has asked us to do. You're not going to have the appetite for spiritual things. And so no wonder, for many of us, we just really don't have much of an appetite for those things, right? And so it's pretty clear about that. You're going to be led by the flesh or you're going to be led by the spirit, right? 
You, you can only have one master. And for Christians, we are a little bit of a paradox at times because I do think there's a part of us that is living by the Spirit, but we're still torn, right? We're still torn by this conflict. And so, you know, we are trying to then live more by the flesh. Uh, sorry, live more by the Spirit, excuse me, <laughs> not by the flesh. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And, and so you, you got to have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, bringing you to life. Otherwise, I mean, it, it, it just says it right there. You don't belong to him. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So I think it's acknowledging that there is going to be some deadness within you. The flesh is still there, right? The battle's not completely won, and yet you have hope because of the spirit that is in you. The spirit is life because of righteousness. Right? We have hope, not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. Right? Because of the righteousness of Christ, we can have the spirit of life. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It just makes sense, right? If Christ has been raised to life um, and we are trying to be where Christ is, right? We are sharing in the life of Christ. So you die with Christ, but you are also raised with Christ. It is that spirit that lives within you. You are one with Christ and therefore you will be brought to life. That's the hope, right? And so, you know, when I, when I hear that, the spirit, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that this spirit will also um, give life to your mortal body. You know, I think about the ancient rite of baptism. And baptism is something that Richard Rohr calls uh, a drowning ceremony. And that sounds kind of weird because we've made it this whole like kind of pageant and we've made it this, this symbolic, um, kind of ceremony that we do on Easter and we do with babies and all that. But properly understood, baptism, it's about drowning, right? You go into the waters, you go completely underneath the waters, you're immersed. And, and in that way, it, it is akin to a body going into the ground to be buried. That's your burial. It's a watery grave, right? And when you come out of that water, I mean, it's so joyful because you are coming to life. It is a rebirth, right? That is the invitation. And it is something that is needed, not just the rite of baptism, but this this, uh, uh, process of dying to the things of the flesh, and coming alive in the Spirit. It's not just a one-time thing, brothers and sisters. I wish it was. For many of us, we treat it like a one-time thing. We think a message like this is meant for a non-Christian. It's meant for someone who doesn't know Jesus. And 
I, I don't want to say that's wrong because that's definitely applicable, right? If you're, if you've never lived by the Spirit, if you've never, uh, tasted of spiritual things, if you've never made a commitment to follow Christ, then this message is definitely for you. But it's also for Christ followers who find that our appetites for spiritual things is really low. When we're being really honest, we don't want to be with Jesus that much. You know, we say we do, but, you know, I mean, just look at our behavior. Do we want to hang out with this guy? You know, do we want to spend extended moments in prayer and reading scripture? Right? Or would we rather just be comfortable? Would we rather indulge in these momentary pleasures, whatever they may be? That is of the flesh, is it not? Right? And, and just being honest, many Christians are there. I'm convinced of that. That's what I see. You know? And so again, brothers and sisters, all it means is that we are still in need of rebirth. Right? We are still in need of this rhythm that is going to happen day by day. Right? It, it sometimes is going to have to be a daily death to the things of the flesh and more and more coming to life in the spirit. Right? And so, um, you know, this question, do you want, uh, you know, we've asked this question before um, when it comes to discipleship. And the question is, do you want to be like Jesus? And, and that's definitely true. I, or, you know, that's definitely a good question to ask with discipleship. You know, do you actually want to be like Jesus? But I want to tweak it for this sermon because this sermon, the title is, where are you at, Right? And so my question is, well, is that where you want to be? Do you want to be with Christ? That's the question, right? Maybe you look at the way that you've been living life and, and you know, maybe this message, um, you're going to hear it and you're just going to file it away for later when you're ready to receive it. Maybe for some of us, we actually have no desire to be with Christ. Can I just ask you, please, just be honest about that? And in your prayers, maybe acknowledge that. Maybe you can just ask God, God, can you bring whatever is dead in my life? Can you bring it back to life? Can you stoke those fires of of wanting to be with you? If you have a desire, any desire to be with Christ, I want to encourage you to do three things. And I just realized that there's kind of an acronym here. I didn't mean to do this, but it's CAR, C-A-R. So the first one is CONFESS that you are a sinner, someone living by the flesh. Now, some of us, we bristle at the word sinner. And, uh, you know, even as a Christian, we're like, yeah, well, I already did that, Pastor Steve. When I was 12 years old, and I was at that retreat, and, you know, I confessed that I was a sinner. And, and we think it's something you do just once as Christians. You know, yes, Jesus only needed to save you once, but we're not Jesus, right? Not yet. <laughs> you know, we are limited. We are flawed. And the grip of sin and the grip of the flesh can be very great on our lives. And being a sinner, confessing we are a sinner, it's not about badness per se. It is, but it's more than that. It's, it, it's an inclination within us. It, it means, uh, to be a sinner means that you are someone that is living by your flesh. Right, um, I'm reminded of the uh, uh, of the uh, old hymn, "Come, Thou Fount of Every Blessing," and there's a verse in it. 
It says, O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let that goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. My wandering heart, right? This is a Christian. This is a Christ follower talking. I still have a wandering heart. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. For thy courts above, right? For the things above, the things of Christ. This is something that we need to do every day, to offer your heart, to say, God, here I am. I am a sinner. I am someone who is prone to wander. I have wandering eyes. I have wandering appetites. I have a wandering heart, right? And to acknowledge that, if that indeed is true of you, and for many of us and Probably all of us, it is true at times, is it not? So confess that you are a sinner. Confess that you are someone that is living by the flesh. Offer that to God, right? And and the next step is to accept that Jesus died for your sinfulness and to take that death as your own, right? Um, this is something that it has become something of a Christian cliche, and it's definitely true, right? It's a cliche for a reason. You need to accept that Jesus died for your sin. He died on the cross, right? Substitutionary atonement, all that, right? It's very important to recognize that Jesus died for our sins. It, it, it is grace. It is a gift that we are saved, right? All that is true. But the one part that sometimes I think we miss is the idea that you are also supposed to die. That's why, that's where baptism comes in handy, right? That, that symbolism, right? It's not just Jesus who died, but we are meaning to be with Jesus. So if we are going to be with Jesus, then you must participate, not just in the resurrection, but in death, right? You gotta take up your cross. You gotta die to the things of the flesh, right? Because you can't get up here unless you die. You can't raise unless you die, right? And so accept that Jesus died for your sin, right? What enables you to be with God is not your good works. It's not your ability to focus on God. It's not your discipline to be able to read the Bible and do spiritual things. That's not going to be enough. That's not going to get you there. What gets you there is the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen right? The only way you're going to get there is through the merit of Christ, through the spirit of Christ, right? But the the way we do that is we have to just accept it. It's a gift, right? You cannot do it on your own. But as you are accepting that, you are also accepting your own death, right? Your flesh is dying, and you let it die, right? You give it to God, right? Now, that sounds like work for some of us. We're like, yeah, but then I need to kill the flesh. Just do that in faith. Just offer that to God. You may even say, God, I know I don't have much of an appetite for spiritual things. I know I have these things within me. I want what I want, and yet I want to offer that to you. Lord, you died for me on the cross. I give myself. I offer myself. You remember Romans 12.1? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I offer myself that I die too. Nail my sinful nature, the old man, the flesh, the things of the earth. Nail that to the cross. And then 
we are resurrected, but that's not the R. It's receive. Oh, whoa, I went backwards. One more. Ah, there it is. Receive the Spirit of Christ that brings us to life, right? That, that we have to have that Spirit within us that is raising you. And, and that is, uh, uh, it's, it's a gift. Uh, again, I, I do want to just, just say that you're still going to have to seek the things that are above, right? That, that's just, you know, verse one of Colossians, right? You're going to have to seek the things that are above, but you're going to have help. The appetites within you are going to be stoked. You know, um, several years ago, there, there came a time in my life where I realized that um, my soul was very shallow. And I wouldn't have put it that way, but, uh, or, you know, I wouldn't have said that my appetite for spiritual things was low, but it was the truth. You know, I, I, I wanted, you know, at least on some level, I, I think probably most of us do. You know, we, we do want to pray. You, you know, we, we do want spiritual things. We do want to be like Jesus, but we also want some other things. Right? And those things often just, they just crowd out the spiritual things. And when it gets down to it, you know, when I'm feeling nervous or anxious or uncomfortable, you know, my flesh, it just kicks in. That's just what it does. It's what we call the default mode, right? You just seek that pleasure. You seek those things that you know will scratch that itch, at least for the moment. You know, I mean, just even think of that idea of scratching an itch. Like you ever have a mosquito bite and you just keep scratching it? What happens when 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 you stop scratching? It itches more, you know, and and at some point you realize that just keeping on scratching it is never going to give you peace. You got to stop. You got to stop. You got to die to the practice of scratching that itch, you know. Um, and, and that's just a crude way of of maybe relating it to. You know, what we are doing when we die to the flesh. You know, you gotta stop. You gotta stop. There's, there's gotta be a new way of being. For me, when I would sit still and I would just spend this time just, you know, I, I call it prayer, but it, it's just, just being with God. That's, that's all it is. It's a lot of nothing. But that nothing, man, I, I started to die. There's something within my flesh that started to die. The things of the flesh, I mean, it's not just pleasure. It's, it's not just comfort. But it's all the ways that I think that I'm God. You know, all the ways that I think I'm in control. You know, all the ways that I try to save myself. And there are times where I would just be so miserable. And I would think, like, okay, this is what needs to happen in my life, in my marriage, in, in my career. And if I fix this, if I do this, then my life will be good. And I'll have life and peace. Brothers and sisters, I'm sorry to say, that's life by the flesh. Those are earthly things, right? And, and again, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying they are no God. They can't give you what God can give you. They can't give you life and peace. That's not what they do. They decay. They, they go away. They're impermanent. Only the permanent things, only the things above can give you permanence, can give you meaning, can give you life and peace. So what are we doing down here? Why are we wallowing in the mud? 
You know, C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, that, that the way we work as, as human beings is that, you know, we're like a kid who's, uh, you know, making mud cakes and, and we're, you know, we're pretending that this is something really delicious, this mud, you know, and someone offers you a holiday at sea. They offer to take you on a cruise and you're like, no, thanks. I want my mud cake, right? Cause you can see the mud cake cause you have the mud cake, but there's something so much better. Brothers and sisters, may we be raised with Christ. So again, confess that you are a sinner. Accept that Jesus died for your sin. Take that death as your own and receive the spirit of Christ. Can we do that now? I want to ask the praise team to come up. And You know, I, I kind of think of this as kind of an old-fashioned altar call. <laughs> And, and, you know, altar calls, I think, you know, we usually think of it for non-Christians, but I think an altar call can also be for a Christian. You know, uh, wherever you are in your spiritual life, I think if you, like all of us, have a part of your flesh that is still alive and kicking, and it's still ruling you, it's still uh, controlling your appetites and your desires, Right, it's keeping you from wanting spiritual things. Then I think we're in need of rebirth. So if that is you, brothers and sisters, can I just walk you through these steps? You know, and sometimes I like to end on this big emotional bang, and I don't think there's a big emotional bang here, other than let's just do what it says. Let's just do what we're told to do. Right? Let's just do that in faith. Right? So let's just take a moment to do that. Step one, confess. Confess that you are a sinner. That you've been living by the flesh. You know? And just own that. That's all of us, by the way. So no one is exempt. That's Pastor Steve. You know? I'm a sinner. I live by the flesh. And and so let's confess that before God right now. Use your own words. You can do that in your mind, but actually do it. You know, just take a moment to be still. You know, if you're at home and there's other people in the room and they're talking, you know, maybe just just scroll away to another room for a moment just to confess. Or maybe we could just all be still and just confess. So let's do that together. I'm going to do that with you. Lord, I'm a sinner. I am ruled and led by my flesh. I don't always desire spiritual things. I live by the flesh and by what makes sense to me and what makes sense to my mind and my desires. So Lord, just this is who I am. I offer it to you. I give it to you. I don't try to cover it up, Lord. And let's go to A. Accept that Jesus died for your sin and take that death as your own. So take a moment to just think about Jesus on that cross for you. Jesus is innocent. He didn't commit sin. He didn't break a law. He wasn't ruled and led by his flesh, and yet he's being punished. And his flesh is being put to death. But Jesus himself would rise in spirit 
And he used to tell his disciples, don't be sad for me. Because what's going to come out of this is life by the Spirit. So you shouldn't be sad for me. There's a transformation that needs to happen, and it can only happen when your flesh dies. And in a spiritual sense, your flesh needs to die. So can we accept that Jesus died for our sinfulness? And can you take a moment to take that death as your own? You know, maybe you can just put it in your own words. You can say something like, Jesus, I come to die with you. Lord, take my life. Take my flesh. Take my appetites. Take my heart. Take all of it again. It is yours. It is not mine. It doesn't belong to me. Can we just take a moment to do that? Give your life to God. Because he gave his life for you. Let's accept that again. Let's own that ourselves. Jesus, we give you our flesh, knowing that you gave your flesh for us. Thank you, God, for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, on the cross. gave his life. He died for our sinfulness. And then we also must die. Our sinful nature, our inclinations, all the things that we try to just hide away and we try to keep for ourselves, Lord, now we want to hide our lives with you. God, we belong to you now. Take it as an offering. And lastly, let us receive the Spirit of Christ that brings us to life. So just pray in faith, Lord, I want to receive your Spirit. Or Holy Spirit, come. Just in faith, you you don't need to say anything. You may not even feel anything. It's not about that. But just maybe make the posture of, of having open hands. Having an open heart. Just take a moment. And, and open yourself up to the possibility of a different kind of spirit leading you. Yes, it does mean you don't always get to do what you want. And, and it doesn't mean that instantly everything's going to get better. You know, that it doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle against your flesh at times. But to say, this is my desire. Lord, I desire, God, to be led by your spirit from now on. God, I I want to be brought to life. These parts of me that had been deadened, I want them to start to have new life, to to be like the the tree uh, in springtime that starts to to bud those green, uh, uh, just those green buds that that they start to form into flowers and beautiful blossoms. I want to see uh, the dead things come to life. That is my desire. And so Holy Spirit, come receive you. I welcome you again. Or maybe for the first time, whatever the case may be. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Say it in your heart. Say it out loud. Say it with all that you are. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome here.
Say it in your posture. Say it in the silence of your soul. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Precious God, in faith we have come before you, knowing that there are things within us that still need to die. And there are things within us that need to be brought to life. That we may seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated. That is where we want to be. We want to be raised with you. And so, God, may the things of the earth, the things that are impermanent, may they pass away. And may we receive, God, our spiritual bodies, our spiritual being, that we may seek spiritual things, that we may be led by the Spirit, that we may be able to do the will of God. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.